The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John chapter 21 beginning at the first verse. After these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon, Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they'd gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they'd finished breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord.
Let us pray. Loving God, we do pray that the words that I share with your people this morning will truly bless them. Amen. My name is Peter. I was a disciple of the Lord and I loved him. Yet out of fear for my own life, I denied him three times. Yes, I, I didn't run away and abandon him like the other disciples, but in the courtyard at the high priest's palace, when a girl said I was one of his disciples, I lied, saying, I'm not. And my words still ring in my ears. Later, when I was asked again whether I was one of his disciples, I said angrily this time, I am not. And when I denied being with Jesus in the olive grove and a rooster crowed just as he said it would, my heart broke and I wept bitterly because somehow the fact that he knew exactly what I would do made it even more devastating. I could give you many reasons for what I did because everything that happened from the moment Jesus rode into Jerusalem was confusing and upsetting. I, like all the disciples, expected Jesus to be a great warrior king, as set out in the scriptures. He would use his power to get rid of the Romans and restore the nation of Israel. But instead of riding on a great war horse, as a powerful king would do, he came on a colt, as someone who was coming in peace. Then there was the way he spoke about his death and other deep things that we simple fishermen just could not comprehend. Things went from bad to worse when he insisted on washing our feet as if he were the lowest of low servants. I wasn't going to let him wash my feet, but he rebuked me. And as for what happened that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, I will never forget the way Judas came towards us, leading armed soldiers and the Jewish leaders, dazzling us with all these torches and demanding to see Jesus. I couldn't let them take him, so I tried to protect him with my sword. But once again, he rebuked me. All I could do was to watch in disbelief and despair as the soldiers arrested him and bound him and then led him away. But these are just excuses. The truth was that I had assured him that I would die for him. But I was a coward who lied three times to save myself. And it was even worse the next day because like the other disciples, I was terrified that the temple guards would be coming for us next. So like them, I was not there for him when he suffered and died. Some of them watched from a distance, 
Others like me hid in a locked room. We all felt so ashamed. Only his mother, Mary, Mary the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene and John stayed with him. You might think that I would have been overjoyed to hear the mind-blowing news from Mary Magdalene that Jesus was alive again and that she had seen him. But with this knowledge came overwhelming guilt. How could I face him? How could he ever want anything to do with me again? So when he suddenly came into the locked room, I hid behind the other disciples so he wouldn't see me. I did this the next time too and did so with such conflicting feelings. <laughs> I didn't want him to see me, yet I felt abandoned because he didn't seek me out. And I started to realise that he was showing the others that he was truly alive and that he had forgiven them. And he was doing it in ways that actually spoke to them. He showed them his hands and feet, blessed them with the Holy Spirit and the power to forgive or not forgive others for their sins, giving them their lifelong ministry with him. For instance, when Cleopas and his companion raced back to see us after going all the way to Emmaus, they were almost bursting with joy, for he had met them in their grief and their despair. He had journeyed with them, teaching them, and then he opened their spiritual eyes when he broke bread at their table. <laughs> and then he vanished. How wonderful that must have been for them. And as for Thomas, <laughs> what really shocked me was the fact that when Thomas joined us that night, that Jesus somehow already knew what Thomas's conditions were because he simply told him, you know, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas's passionate cry of faith my Lord and my God nearly crushed me. For there I was, huddled against the back wall, knowing that Thomas and the others had been forgiven and had a future with Jesus. But as for me, I had nothing. All my hopes had been dashed. Jesus had clearly rejected me. He had not made one attempt to show me that he had forgiven me. So days later, I decided to go back to a time when my life was simple. A time before Jesus came and upset and changed everything. When I was with some of the disciples, I told them, I'm going fishing, you want to come? And they did. Well, I can't tell you how wonderful it was to have the breeze in my hair, the nets in my hands, and being with my fishing mates again. For some reason, we didn't speak about Jesus and what had happened. Instead, we spent the night doing the hard work 
of throwing out the nets and dragging them in with the hope of a good catch. <laughs> but we caught nothing. So when this man who was standing on the shore called out, friends, haven't you caught any fish? I thought, well, what is it to you? And when he advised us, as if he knew everything about fishing, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Well, by then I was ready to yell at him. And I expect that you're already thinking, how stupid is this Peter? Can't he see what the Lord is doing for him? And you'd be right. Especially when we did as he said, and the nets were full to overflowing with fish. But it wasn't until John told me that the man was Jesus that my eyes were opened and I jumped into the water desperate to get to him. And even then, I don't think I really understood what he was doing, that he was taking me back to the beginning, even to the moment before it all began, giving me a fresh start. And he knew that this was the only way to show me that he had forgiven me and that I had a future with him. He also knew that my guilt over denying him three times was so deep that I needed an opportunity to undo my terrible words. So after our meal, he took me apart from the other disciples and calling me Simon, son of John, my name before he gave me my new main, new main, let's try again, new one, of Peter, his rock. He asked me three times whether I loved him. And three times I said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Of course, when he asked me a third time, I got cranky. But I think I saw a bit of a twinkle in his eye because he knew me so well. And then and there, three times, he set out my life's work for me. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Even I understood what he was saying, for I knew the writing of the great prophet Ezekiel, where God tells us that he is the great shepherd of his sheep. Jesus' words made me think that he was the shepherd that God would send to protect them. And when I remembered that God's sheep were actually his people, I understood that my work was to care for those who believed in and followed Jesus. It was overwhelming. But Jesus and I both knew that there was one more thing that had to be addressed. Namely, my promise that to him that even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. He knew that I had spoken out of love for him and that my cowardice had left me bereft. So he healed my heart by showing me that in the future I would gladly give my life for him and in doing so 
glorify God. And once again, he took me back to the beginning, saying, come on, follow me. And I did. I have shared part of my story with you this morning in the hope that some of the things I learned about the Lord might bless you as you journey with him. Firstly, he is unpredictable. He does things his way, always with his goals in sight. And where you are concerned, he does things that will meet your needs now and in the future. You can't control him. But when you look back over the years at various stages of your life, you will see how he fitted everything together so that you were ready, available and prepared for what you were called to do. Secondly, he knows you inside out, which is really quite scary. He knows your strengths, your skills, your passions, your limitations, your weaknesses and your needs. And so he will build a relationship with you that is uniquely yours. And the ministry he calls you to will be right for you and will work together somehow or other with your family life, your interests and your career. And you only have to look at the people in this community to see how willingly and happily they use their unique gifts to bless each other and those that are beyond these walls. So, please don't judge your relationship with the Lord by comparing it with that of others. Heavens above. If I'd compared my ministry with Paul's, I would have cringed. He was such a powerhouse for the gospel and willingly endured all kinds of pain and suffering. Thirdly, and most importantly, I hope my story assures you that the Lord loves you unconditionally and steadfastly. I'm convinced that there's nothing you can do to make him love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Hold on to that truth firmly. It seemed to me that whether I loved him was the most important thing to him because he knows that we weak human beings will let him down one way or another. If Jesus could find it in his heart to forgive and love me, Peter, who denied even knowing him three times and then through fear failed him when he so needed to know that he was loved and held through his suffering on the cross. How much more will he forgive you and love you when you let him down? And finally, you might remember that I thought I saw a twinkle in Jesus' eye when I got cranky. Well, as I learned throughout my ministry to his sheep, his great desire is for us to know his joy. This is how John recorded his words when Jesus reminded us 
to obey the Father's command to love others. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My prayer is that your relationship with our loving Lord may abound with faith and purpose and joy. Amen.